Today we're going to talk about how to communicate with God and um, great segue into small groups because uh, prayer is a vital part of small groups. And like I said a little bit last week, took a little time to talk about how, how uh, the connections and things that you, ha you have in small groups uh, just will supercharge and help your prayer get even further and further. So I want to get into this real quick. I want to start with prayer, but before we do, I want to give you something to pray about, okay? And I want, I'm going to let you choose. Back in January, I gave you a, a list of uh, seven things that I'm praying over our church, 2911, in 2017. I want you to pick one of these things. They're on the screen now? There. I want you to pick one of these things and pray this right now over your church. If you, in case you forgot about it, here's a little refresher. The day of prayer, I'm going to talk about communicating with God. We're going to going to look at these again and, and think, I want you to pick, uh, remind us it begins right here, God. This is where, it's, this is just the beginning. These first five hours of, of, uh, of the week, this is just the beginning. The other 163 are so important. Help us take our commitment to finance, otherwise support our mission more seriously. Help us reach the next 180 who need to know Jesus. There's 180-something people who weren't going to church anywhere before coming to 2911. Let's reach the next 180 and the next 180. And the next 180. Lead each one of us to own our growth, like last week's sermon. You can go back and listen to the podcast. Lead us to welcome discipleship from one another. What is that? That happens in small groups. And that doesn't mean just the people who are older you than you in the Lord or people who have been Christians longer. You In small groups, you're going to learn something from somebody who's brand new to uh, Christianity because sometimes you get a little set in your ways if you've been in, in church very long. Uh, but we're going to learn from each other and help us to embrace that, God. And number six, open more doors and more communities and bless us, God, with the means to reach them and give us greater impact in our communities in 2017. Okay? Can you pick one? Can you pick one and help me pray and kick off this message here? I'm going to go to number one right there, okay? Come on, let's pray. Father, I'm going to start with the number one because this is where it begins. And I ask you, God, to help us remember this is where it begins. It doesn't end here. When we say amen in a little while, when we, when we leave this room, it's, it's not over. It's just beginning. God, this is the beginning. For somebody today, this is a, a new beginning for them. Someone's going to make a decision today. Someone's going to make a decision to do, do something different in their lives this week, God. Maybe someone uh, who doesn't know you is going to make the decision to let today be the day that they first embrace a relationship with you and, and God but this is the day God let us let us not uh, let us not just look at these these for few hours God an hour and 15 minutes off for most of us God let us not just look at a, these God as the, as as the end let us but let us look at the beginning God let us look at how this sets us up how this challenges us God for this week God of believing you in prayer for awesome things to happen God that the things we say today and we and we believe today and we we, we speak and worship to you and then we ask you for in prayer and, and listen for your voice and and the, your response God God that these are the things that just set up this week so that we can have and see amazing things so we can see uh, wonderful results that happen, God, from, from uh, all the efforts that we put in these moments, God, and the, and the other 163. I ask you, God, remind us, this is just the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. 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 Okay, so listen, about communicating with God. We, we communicate in dozens of ways. I actually made a list and was going to actually have that on the, on, the, uh, on the screen for you. And there were just so many. I thought, man, I'm going to get bogged down here talking about all these things. I'm just going to mention a few of them to you, okay? But just dozens of ways. I mean, verbally we communicate, right? Like I'm communicating to you, you know? And, and so this is kind of like 
oration or lecture or something, you know, it's like kind of one-sided. And, uh, but they're also conversation, right? That type of communication, one-on-one, you know, and sometimes group discussion. Where does that happen? Small groups, you know, and that's where, you know, we, uh, we connect in those ways, uh, uh, communicate in those ways. And there, there's, uh, there's lots of opportunities to verbally connect, but it goes beyond just verbal communication. Uh, we all know that a lot of times we communicate, sometimes without even realizing it, we communicate without ever speaking a word. Come on, guys. Does your wife ever communicate to you without speaking a word? Does she ever let you know something? Okay, right, yeah, right. We know those things. One of the things I wrote down also was mimes and memes. You know, mimes, I mean, what they're doing is communication. And memes, those are communication. You know, and just, just on and on and on. And I know where I'm at, right? I'm, I'm in the Bible belt, the football belt as well, right? So let me ask you, who can tell me what this means? Yeah, right? We know that. Now, I could have given you a personal foul, a clip or something like that, but I, just, I chose to give you a touchdown this morning, right? The, the referee, when he does this, he's communicating to us. He's letting us know it, it, it's a touchdown. It's good. You know, everything, all these things are communication. We can choose from dozens of ways to communicate. We can, we, we can choose from all, all different kinds of ways. So communication is not a hard thing. It's not a difficult thing, and prayer isn't either. Communication is simple. Prayer is simple. Sometimes we make it hard. But the reason I'm preaching, you know, you, you may think that the reason I'm preaching on prayer today is because it's so hard. I've got to explain it to you. I'm not going to share 30 minutes of a sermon with you because, because prayer is hard. I want to share 30 minutes of sermon with you about prayer because prayer is vitally important. That's why, I, that's why we're taking this minute. You know, we, we could preach on anything today, but the reason I've chosen feeling led of God for this moment, the choosing today and this reason, is because of the vital importance of prayer in the life of a Christian. And if you don't understand, I think you'll understand that in the foundation that I want to lay here. So for the next several, several minutes, I want to lay some foundation and talk about some of the basics, the ABCs, the, the how-tos of communicating with God, okay? And where's the best place to go for info on how to communicate with God? Uh, let's go to his word, all right? So the Bible, let's, let's start out right there. The Bible says to pray, first of all, respectfully like you would pray to a father. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, 9, the disciples said, uh, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, okay, pray like this. Start out, our Father who art in heaven. Uh, you know, I, I learned the old King James, okay? So, our Father who art in heaven. That's what Jesus said to begin this way. Now, your grandmother, you know, she does not care how you communicate with her. She just wants you to do it, Right? She doesn't care if you call her, if you write her, if you go by and visit her. She doesn't care if you come and sit and don't say a word and just enjoy a piece of pie that she made specially for you, right? She doesn't care how as much as she just wants you to do it. And you know what? I'm a granddad. That's the way I am too. I don't care if I get a hug or a kiss or a fist bump sometimes, you know. I just want the grandkids, you know, come in the door and connect with me. And God's that way in a, in a lot of ways. But what we have to remember, even though God just wants us to connect, what we also have to remember is he's not our best buddy. 
He's not our BFF. He's not someone we can just sit on you know, the shelf and then take him off whenever we want to. We still have to approach him respectfully like he is a father because he is our father. And we need to respect him that way and go to him and not just, you know, not just yell something at him, but, but respectfully. I mean, you know, if you're the kind of person who, you know, just whatever comes in your mind, you just say, like you don't have any filter between here and here, you know, you probably don't have a lot of friends, do you? Right? You know, if you don't have any filter, you know, you, you have to think about what you say. You can't just say it, you got to think about it. And in the same way, we need to do that with God. We need to speak to him respectfully, okay? But I want you to understand this. That doesn't mean that we, oh, we revere him in such a way that we can't. No, no, no. Because another thing that the Bible teaches us about how to pray is we should pray boldly, okay? So reverently, respectfully, but boldly. In uh, Hebrews chapter 14, verse 6, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Boldly. Okay, hear, hear this. You aren't just allowed to come into the presence of God. You are invited. Because you remember the first point? He's our Father. He's our Father. He wants us to come. You're not just even invited. You are expected to show up in His, in his throne room. You know, you don't have to, to knock. You don't have to uh, have an excuse. You don't have to have a, a special. You are already invited to come in boldly. He wants you to approach boldly. He wants you to come boldly. He wants you to say, wait a minute, this is my Father. And even though you're going to come respectfully, this is my Father. And I go to Him, or, or in a couple of places, the Word of God talks about calling Him Abba Father, you know. This is, he's my dad. He's my spiritual dad. And so I can come. And so we're, we're not just encouraged. We are expect, you are expected to come and to speak to Jesus, okay? Uh, so thirdly, con is constantly, right? We are told in the Bible to pray constantly. And normally uh, I throw out this uh, first one up here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, the King James says, pray without ceasing. This version says, never stop praying. How do you do that? We'll talk about that in just a second. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's a, there's all and everywhere, just over and over and over, right? Pray all the time. Be constant in your prayer to talk to God. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in this room that you are literally on your cell phone all day long? You're texting or you're, okay, I saw one hand go up about like this. You know, we don't want to raise them real high, right? You know, don't want everybody looking down at us. So now, first of all, we use the word literally, literally wrong, right? <laughs> because if you were literally on your cell phone all the time, you wouldn't be listening and talking to me right now. You would be on your cell phone unless you can do it without looking down at your cell phone, right? So you aren't really literally on it, but... Somewhat, yeah, you are literally involved in digital communication all day long. There are some of us like that. I mean, it's either, you know, social media or texting or something. I'm just this constant. And that's the way this is, this prayer thing, okay? It's not that you're actively speaking out work because there's a lot of ways to communicate to God. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of times. Some of you have communicated to God even, even without opening your mouth today. You know, because he, he knows the heart. He knows the thoughts. He knows what's going on in our mind. And so when we have a, a hard time going on and we just, in, in our heart, just kind of cry out and say, hey, God, I, I got a problem here. You know, even without saying it with our mouth. And so communication doesn't mean that you do it that way. Okay, I, I was thinking about this one day. You know, th this word amen, you know, you know what amen means? 
It kind of means so be it. All right? It's like you say all this stuff, you say, amen. And I got to thinking about this one day. I thought, you know how many times I say amen in a day? You know how many times? Probably on average about three. Now, do you know why I picked that number? Why did I say amen three times a day? There, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? <laughs> Asking the blessing, you know, saying the blessing. And, you know, one of the reasons you say amen at the end of the blessing is if you're eating with other people, you want everybody else to know, hey, it's over, I'm done, guys, let's eat, right? <laughs> you know, because some of, the, some of you, you go on and on and on and on. You know, we need an amen to know you're not going on any further, right? <laughs> yeah? And, and sometimes you even say amen to somebody else's prayer, right? So you're saying Amen, I agree with that. Yes, whatever. And you know, we normally don't get really that excited about, you know, the blessing over the food. But, but if you say, amen, that's what you're saying. I agree, God bless this food and all of that. But I don't say amen very much during the day. Why? Because I never stop praying. There's not a place to say amen. Now, publicly, yes, there are, you know, when we're praying publicly, like just a few moments ago, I was leading you in prayer and hoping you were praying with me as well. I was praying out verbally, and probably most of you just praying in your heart, you know, and, and, and but when I was done, I said amen, so everybody would know, you know, and I think I probably even said, and everybody said, and everybody says amen, you know. Have you ever, have you ever been maybe on the phone, cell phone, calling, talking to somebody in a conversation, and you look up, and they're like 20 feet in front of you? You ever done that? You know, and then, you know, without thinking, oh, there you are, and you say goodbye. <laughs> you ever say goodbye? You know, and there they are, you know. And so, I mean, really, if you say goodbye, that's almost like, oh, there you are, goodbye, I'm not going to talk to you. That's what goodbye means, doesn't it? But what were you, were you doing? If you did that, and I've done that before, you really were saying, hey, this part of the conversation is over, goodbye. But the real conversation, because now I see you face to face, we're about to interact. Real co communication is just now about to begin, right? You know? And so, so and in the same way with God. Is it like just a few moments ago, we prayed all together, and then we said, amen? You know, the public prayer is over. It's finished. It's done. But real communication, now that you guys are out of the picture, it's just me and God. Now me and God are talking. Real communication is just now about to begin. So that's how you pray constantly is that it's always ongoing. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm in touch with him right now. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have to stop right now and, and, and start all over. It's, it's constant communication, okay? So next, uh, fourth, is expectantly. The Bible says pray expectantly. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. David said, each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. All right, now, now I'm going to come back to this wait part a little later. But the big word here for this point right now is, is expectantly. Now, I, I, I got to think, let me go ahead and read oh, James chapter 1. And James says a lot about prayer, but verse 6. There. Let me read this before I give you this point. But when you ask, when you pray, when you communicate with God looking for something, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Okay, now, when I first started, you know, and I put this one in here, I thought, well, everybody knows this. Maybe I could save some time by not throwing this out here that you should be expected, or we could use the word have faith, and say have faith, right? We could use the word faith. And so everybody knows that, right? But you know what? We don't. We forget sometimes, even me. This, this one has challenged me even this week. Is it some, it's not that I disbelieve God, but it's like going on beyond just belief and faith is expecting something from God. 
is that we need to expect that. We need to not just believe that he will or believe that he might, but really expect that he's going to actually do what I ask him to do. You know, we're not blowing out birthday candles here, okay? Is, how many of you can remember the last wish that you made when you blew out birthday candles? How many of you remember the last wish you made? Whoa, whoa. Well, I see a couple of very young ones that may raise their hand. But you know, a lot of us, maybe the last time you blew out candles, you didn't even make a wish, right? If you've had a bunch of those, you know, you know, like, like the 80-something-year-old lady who said, you know, hey, the thrill is gone, you know. <laughs> I've had 80-something of these right now, you know. And, and, and so we don't remember that. You know why, though? Is it because it was so long ago? No, well, maybe it was. And if that's the case, the, why is the reason it was so long ago? Is because we never really expected to get what we were wishing for when we blew out the candles. Because we were just, oh, you know, I wish I had, or like, you know, throw a coin in a fountain. Oh, I wish I had, or whatever. We're not expecting. And so a lot of us, I think, we, we treat prayer in the same way. We don't even really expect to hear back from God or that he's going to, you, you want something amazing to happen? You're going to have to start praying with expectation that you serve the God who sits on the throne of heaven that has created everything. And if you have any little problem in your life, you're serving that God. And not only are you serving that God and praying to that God, that God is your Father. You know, and if you're sick in body, you're, you're praying to the God that is your Father that is able to heal you. If you've got a financial need, you're praying to the God that is your Father who is able to meet that financial need. If you've got problems, you've got questions, you've got doubts, you've got a decision to make and you don't have the answer, you don't have the wisdom, you are praying to the God who is your Father that has all of the wisdom that ever has been. He has all of that. That's who you pray for. So you should pray with expectancy that God is going to answer you and give you that. But there's something else that goes along with that faith. Did you know faith is not enough by itself? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh I got quiet. Y'all worried about this trick question? No, no, no. Bible says that. Let me show you. This is in James also. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 26. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, faith is dead and useless. So if you're praying... But nothing's happening. You just, you just believing, you know, even the expectancy, and I'm believing, I believe, and I expect God to show up without putting some action with it. Because that's what the Bible tells us. We've got to put some action. Without putting that action with it, it's dead. It's useless. Ain't nothing happening. Now, in the book of Jeremiah, this is chapter 32, verse 16. Uh, let me, let me, the, well, let me go ahead and read it. Then I, after I'd given the papers to Baruch, I prayed to the Lord, okay? Here, here's, here's the story, the background right here. Um, I, I hope you were reading with us in, in the Bible Project, but if you weren't, let me give you a little bit of background here. Is that the Israelites, they had rejected God time and time again, and, um, and the kingdom had been split into Israel and Judah. It's still all the Jews, all the Israelites, but it had been split like this. And, and they kept turning their back on God, and, and God finally allowed them to be overrun by uh, because they, they wouldn't follow God. They were taking other gods. They were... were rebelling against him and so this was happening and they were being overrun and they were being taken captive into other countries and these things but God had already spoken to Jeremiah and he says but but you're coming back your people are coming back I'm gonna bring them back everything's gonna be all, all right and he, and he tells Jeremiah he says I want you to buy a piece of land okay now all the details about buying a piece of land and all that has got a cousin involved and all these things but 
here, here's the deal, okay? Is, is think about it. He bought a piece of land. Now, when you buy a piece of land, I know it's not like today, not as many pieces of paper to sign as it was back in those days, or in those days as it is today, but but this, there was still a lot to do, okay? There, there was still paperwork to be done. You know, he had to talk to the cousin who owned the land. He had to, you know, they had to negotiate the price. He had to go get the money to pay it. And they, they did it in front of witnesses. And all this had to be signed and sealed. And then they even talk about how they, how they sealed it up and they put it away. And all of this work that he did. And then Jeremiah says, I prayed to the Lord. You know, he didn't just... Pray, God, if it's your will, then I pray all this other he had to do. You know, someone, someone just said this to me just the other day. They said, you know, you know, one of the things we're doing wrong as Christians, we've got this attitude that if it's God's will, it'll happen. You know, that there's nothing for us to do. Ooh, got a great quote for you here. Jan Willem uh, Vanderhoven, I think, is, is the name. For many Christians, prayer has become an escape from responsibility. Oh, that hurts. It, does that hurt anybody besides me? Goodness gracious, yes. Man, I've done that. Man, just, I, 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 God, I really don't want to make this decision. I want you to make it, God. I've done that. Yeah, hand it off to God. God, here it is. And if you want it to happen, make it happen. I'm going to go over here and do something a lot easier to making these kinds of decisions or working these kinds of details out or dealing with those kinds. God, you know, and if you want to, and we just sit down. If you want me to have it, it's going to happen. And we just sit down and wait for God to do it. Now, there, there's some other words there. I know you know that because most of you have already read ahead of me. You didn't wait on me, did you? Come on, just be honest. You didn't wait on me. Some of you, most of you probably already read this. But now let's read it together. Let's read the whole thing together. For many Christians, prayer has become an escape from responsibility. But rather, prayer should lead us into the very acts and exploits for God. You know, what prayer is supposed to do is not supposed to say, okay, we did a little bit of work, we prayed about it, now it's in God's hands. No, what prayer is supposed to do is we're supposed to remember, no, wait a minute, why am I praying about this? God has put this on my heart to be praying about this. God has made me see this need that I'm praying over, and now I'm praying over this. You know, i got to do something about this. This, is God. this isn't just me. This is God that wants this thing. i got to take this another step. i got to fight this. i gotta, I got to work this out. i got to do the things that I've got to do so that when it's over, no matter how it turns out, I can stand and say that I know I did my part and God did his part and everything worked the way God intended for it to work. It should move us. It should motivate us to do those things. Okay, the next, next slide. Uh, the Bible says to pray with fasting, okay? Not just with action, but with fasting. Uh, and here's another one that, like, you know, I thought about, man, I'd save some time here if I take fasting out, but I don't know when I'm going to get to talk to you about fasting again, okay? And, and I think it's something a lot of people don't understand, that, you know, that's weird, you know? You're going to skip a meal and pray? Why does that have any power or anything? Here's, you know what fasting is? It's like missing a meal, you know, and some people miss, miss all the meals of a day or maybe several days they fast, you know, in a row. Why, why is this? We, we don't understand it sometimes. Have you ever been in a place that there was something you were so concerned about you didn't want to eat? You ever been there? You ever been maybe a struggle, maybe like, I've been in a lot of emergency room waiting rooms, okay, with, with families. And I've been there a lot of times with my stomach growling so loud, I think even the church, all the nurses and everything can hear my stomach. But it wasn't time to eat. 
Because what we had to deal with right then was more important than getting a bag of chips out of the vending machine. You know? And so what God is trying to tell us, and here, Isaiah chapter 58, this is, this is awesome. And if you go to the Sundays page and click on this, you can read these two verses, but you can also click on it and it'll span, expand it out. You can read the whole context of it to get the whole thing. Because God's telling Israel, Israel, you, you, you're doing it wrong. You are fasting wrong. And, you know, and then he begins laying out, here's the kind of fast. And just, just throw one of these little things at you right here in the middle of this. Share your food with the hungry. You see, we all get that, that it's time, there are times that, well, it's just not time, I'm hungry, but it's not time to eat right now. But God is saying, no, do this with purpose. Don't just, don't just say, well, I, I just don't feel like eating right now because I really need to handle this problem or whatever. But do it with purpose. Like, like he's saying right there, share your food with the hungry. That, that if you skip a meal, then, then take that food or, or take the money you were going to use to buy lunch and give it to somebody that's hungry. Find someone that is hungry. In doing this, God's saying, do it, do it purposefully. Do it with purpose. Do it with intention. Don't just do it because, but do it with purpose. And doing it with purpose will, will mean that we'll have power, that, that your actions of fasting are going to have power, but then it's also going to empower your prayers because you're doing all of this together with purpose, and it gives even more power that is there. Okay? Next to the last one right here, the Bible says to pray earnestly and righteously. James chapter 5, verse 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, God hears every prayer, you know, but it, he doesn't say yes to all of them. And all of them don't have great power, and all of them don't produce wonderful results. But that's the goal, isn't it? Don't we want to have power in our prayer? Don't we want to pray and, and know that God is listening and he's going to do something about it? Don't we want to know that when we pray, it's going to produce wonderful results? Yeah, we want that. Then how do we get there? Earnest prayers. Earnest prayers. You know, that, that means not just, you know, I, I used to say pray and lay, now I lay me down to sleep prayers. You know, that's the way some people pray. I mean, it's like they're praying and ain't nothing there. You know, it's just they might as well be saying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray that, y'all know that one, right? I pray the Lord my soul to keep, you know, all that. Or, or I used to say sometimes five and dime prayers because they don't cost nothing. Little five and dime prayers. But he says here, earnest prayers. You know, sometimes it's like we, we just you know, throw a prayer up against the wall and see if it sticks, right? You ever heard that one? Throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks? You know, and, or you ever heard the one like, I, I prayed, but my prayer wasn't even, didn't even seem like it was getting to the ceiling. You know? you know why? Because you threw it up against the wall. You know, you're just throwing it here. You just got, you're just praying five and dime prayers. Praying now I lay me down to sleep prayers instead of praying earnest prayers. You're not praying to a wall. If you're praying to the king of kings who sits on the throne, that is your father. You are not praying to a wall. You're not even praying to a ceiling. You are praying to the one that can do that. You, you need to be praying then with earnest. You need to pr be praying with passion and say, hey, hey, father, let me tell you what I'm dealing with and going through. But there's something else that is there also. It's the earnest prayer of a righteous person. You see, you can't do what you want to do for 99% of the week and then say, God, I got this problem. Don't work that way. Now, the word righteous basically means doing what is right. You can see that, right? Right, just, right. It's like right living, right decisions. That doesn't mean you're perfect. He's not saying you're a perfect person because if he said that, Jesus would be the only one that could pray. 
and, and have this, but a righteous person, one who is doing their best to do what is right, to live right, to speak right, to say right, to chase right, to be after God and God's will and all of those things. Then that person, when they pray fervent, earnest prayers, those prayers are powerful and produce wonderful results. You see, all of this kind of fits in and pulls it together. And last little thing right here. One last little thing from the Bible. Well, two more things. One right here. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. The Bible says to pray direct and straightforward. So, uh, let me tell you a little story right here to set this verse up before we read the verse. Hezekiah is king. And, you know, how were we talking just a few moments ago about, you know, the armies just kept coming and kept coming against Israel. Now, Hezekiah was a righteous king. And uh, he, was, he was chasing after God, and God was speaking to him. God was telling him stuff. But his enemies kept coming. I mean, they would, they would come, and they would, just, they would just talk to people up on the city walls, and they would say, hey, don't think that your God's going to deliver you. We've we whooped this country, and we've whooped this nation, and they had their gods. We're going to whoop you guys too. Your God's not going to save you from us. And they kept doing this over and over and over. And finally, they wrote a letter, and they, they sent it to Hezekiah. Now, they didn't use three-ring notebook paper, okay, back in those days. They used scrolls. I, I want you to get the visual image of a scroll. You know, a scroll. It rolls and unrolls, right? So they wrote this letter to Hezekiah. And look what Hezekiah did. He said, when Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. He rolled this whole thing out before the Lord. He said, God... I know what you've told me, but this is what they're saying about This is what they say they're going to do to us. This is what they're saying they're going to do to you. This is what they're saying about your lack of power, your lack of ability to, to save and protect us. This is what they say, God. He wasn't, wasn't throwing uh, prayers up against the wall. He wasn't praying little five and dime prayers. He was praying an earnest uh, prayer. He was praying a serious prayer. He was praying a passionate prayer. He unrolled the thing before God. He laid it out before God and said, God, this is where I am and this is why I need your help. You know, and, and if you're wondering why you're not getting anywhere with your prayer life, maybe you're not direct enough. Okay, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut that off. I'm going to hurry right here. Not a person in this room, probably, can quote back everything I've just told you or these points. That's okay. That's, that's not what's important here. If you want to know these points, go to the Sunday's page. You can click every one of those scriptures. is right there. You can see them again, okay? You can listen to the podcast later this week. It's not important that you remember each one of those, but every one of us probably had one little something or maybe two or three little things that are like, man, I never thought of that. The Holy Spirit just, just spoke into you, and you thought, I never thought of that. Take it in now. Say, yes. That's a place that my prayer life can get deeper. My prayer life can be more powerful. I can begin to see more wonderful results because of my prayer life. Because of that thing. I never thought of Take that, okay? You're not, you're not going to walk out of here with every one of these points, you know, in your mind. Like, yes, yes, yes. You can't do that, but you take the one. You take the ones, and you take the ones that are important to you, and you take the ones that have spoken to you, and all of us take these, okay? And now let's talk. Let me wrap this up with the way Jesus taught us to pray. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. I gave you that very first bit of Scripture just at the beginning of this part of this message. And so Jesus taught us to pray. And we, we call this the Lord's Prayer. And most of the people in this room can probably... Pray this with me if we just prayed it. Some of you, because you were in 
high school sports or something, and your coach always made y'all pray the Lord's Prayer every time before a game or whatever, right? Or what, and, you know, and, and this isn't the King James, but the King James is the way I remember it mostly. But most of us could do pretty good quoting it. But quoting it isn't very earnest, is it? It's not very passionate, is it? I mean, when you're quoting something, you're saying something that somebody else wrote. It's kind of hard to, you know, tell God, hey, God, here's my problem when you're using somebody else's words. You see, Jesus didn't give us this so we could memorize it and use it and quote it and quote it and quote it. This is a guideline. Pray then in this way, he said. He didn't say pray these exact words. That's a good thing. Because if he did, we'd have to all learn how to say it in Greek. You know? But he didn't. He said, pray in this way. So you take this whole thing. This is kind of like, just these are good reminders. If you know this, some people say, I can't pray more than 20 or 30 seconds, and I just don't have anything else to pray. Well, let me just give you a little lesson right here, can I? Take this as your example. If you know this, let this be your outline and pray in this manner. Oh, Father, my Father, who dwells in heaven, you are amazing. I am just a man. I walk here on the face of this earth. I deal with all this junk and all of this, but you are holy. You are amazing. You are awesome. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are all wise. You are all knowing. You are all powerful and all, a all able. And that's who you are, God. And because of that, I mean, even, even your name is holy and is hallowed. And, and because of that, I don't want my kingdom anymore. My kingdom and the things I thought I wanted and the things I thought that were important to me, I don't want that anymore. I don't need that anymore. I realize, God, I realize now that yours is the kingdom that's important. That kingdom that we've been reading about in the Bible project, the one that says your kingdom is upside down, that the way this world treats one another, your kingdom is upside down from that because in your kingdom, people treat one another with love. In your kingdom, people treat one another with grace. In your kingdom, there is mercy. There is forgiveness and all these things. So God, I, I, I want your kingdom now. I don't want my kingdom anymore because I also know, God, that you know things I don't know. I want to buy that car next week, but you know if the engine's going to blow up the next week or, or you know if somebody's going to put one for sale just like at $5,000 cheaper a few days later. God, you know stuff I don't know, God, so I don't want my kingdom anymore. I'm ready for your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven and take care of me. But God, my needs that I have today, supply those needs. But God, I've got a need that I don't think about all of the time. I have a need to bless. I have a need to help. You put this inside of me, God, to want to help other people, to want to reach out to other people, to, to hurt when somebody else hurts, God. God, I would go broke if I bought a meal for every person that I ever wanted to buy a meal for. I, I would go broke if I helped everybody that I ever wanted to help. So God, I ask you, God, to provide for my need today. And not just my need for me, but provide for my need for others. Give me enough. Let me be like David who said, my cup runs over because you've given me so much that I've got enough to share with everybody else. Let me be like, like, like that time, God, that you, you fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. And that when everybody was filled, there was still 12 basketfuls left over. God, I pray, God, give me such an abundance that my needs aren't just taken care of 
But and God, people don't just look at me and say he is blessed, but people realize that they are blessed because of what you are doing through me because you are enabling me more and more. And, and, and God, I want you to forgive me for my sins. And, and, and because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, when he looked down at all those people that were crucifying him that day, and he said, Father, don't lay this at their feet. Don't lay this charge against them, but forgive them for what they're doing because they don't understand what they're doing. God, he wasn't just talking to me. Father, he wasn't just talking about them. He was talking about me too because my sin put him on the cross. And so when he said, don't lay this charge at, 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 my, at their feet, he was also talking about my feet. So God, I, I want to follow his example. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin, but God, here I release every person that has ever hurt me. I release every person that has ever offended me. I don't want you to lay their offenses at their feet, God. I don't want you to hold them responsible. I don't want you to consider them guilty anymore. I want you to forgive them too for everything because God, you know, really, I'm not doing too well trying to hold on to that hurt. I'm not doing very well holding on to that pain. I, I, I'm not really the person I need to be. I don't have the patience I need to be with the people around me who need me. I'm not the example that I need to be because I'm holding in all this pain and hurt. So God, I want you to forgive me and I want you to forgive everybody who has ever done anything against me. And God, I ask you, please, deliver me from my sin. Wash it all away, but also deliver me from my temptations. God, and more than just my everyday temptations, I pray God deliver me from my addictions. Because, and come on, come on, Christians, let's be truthful here. We've all got that one thing that is the, the place that the devil can trip us up in if we're not paying attention. God, I don't want to fall in that ever again. Deliver me from my addictions. I'm not just talking about uh, chemical addictions like some of you may be thinking about right now, but God, I want you to deliver me from, from my addictions to narcissism, my addictions to have everything I want and then everything to always be my way and all of those things. God, deliver me from my addictions to, 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 to wanting things to be a certain way and not following. Deliver me from, from all of those addictions as well, God, I pray. Because, and listen, here's, here's a really important part. You might think that's just a little bit of worship there at the end. But prayer, this kind of prayer is worship because it is saying, God, I believe who you, you are, who you are, and that's why I'm coming to you. So God, let me tell you something. I believe that you are the God who sits on the throne of heaven. You have created everything. I believe that's who you are and that you are my father like I began at the very beginning of this prayer. God, and I believe that then all glory and all power and all, all, all of it belongs to you, that you sit on the throne, that the kingdom belongs to you, that all the kingdom, all the power, all the glory is your and I give you praise in that, God, because I'm not praying to a God who cannot hear me today. I am praying to a God that hears me and is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that. I, yes. And let everyone who wanted that in their life say amen. That's what praying is. It's not praying what somebody else said. It's praying out of the depths of your heart. It's praying the earnest prayer to the God who sits on the throne that is my father. He is my father. Don't, don't get in a hurry just yet, home folks, okay? Let me say something before you get up because I know you normally start moving before I get If you're a first-time attender, let me tell you, we like to close around front with a final prayer. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. All we do, and we're going to sing a last song down here too. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. 
Everybody's going to stand and come this way. You can go and do that now. But, and we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. I got a last little thought. We're going to have some prayer. Just pray together. And then sing a final song. We'd love to have you join us if you're a first-time attender. Uh, the, yes, y'all see prayer team members getting in their place. Uh, and, you know, if I don't say this one Sunday, don't hesitate, don't wait. They're here, come on. They're here to pray for you, all right? They're here to help you take your need boldly into the throne room of God where your Father sits today. Where we're all in, so, in just, right now, even, or in just a few moments, move this way and let's start praying. And let's let pray with you over your need, okay? Let me, say, let me just, one last little thing, and we're going to pray all together. Let you pray, and we're all going to just pray, okay? I started to call this sermon, How to Pray. And Britt said, I like how to communicate with God better. And I said, okay, we'll go for that. You know, might just knock everybody off their, you know, their norm a little bit to think, well, communicate with God. I wonder what that means. If I said prayer, you already had your idea. So right, we'll go with that. But then wrapping this sermon up the preparation and everything kind of changed a little bit of as i realized i thought about communicating with god you know that's that just sounds so much deeper than praying because praying throwing it up against the wall you know five and nine prayers or whatever but communicating with god you see here's the thing if we look in the bible for examples of people who who um prayed and then god did something they spoke and god spoke back that happened in the bible didn't it i mean we read yeah or they asked God for something and he did it. You know, it wasn't blowing out candles. I mean, they, they asked and he did it. What is, the, what is the one thing? You know what? One of the things, and, and it ha God did it differently, but, and God hears every prayer. But if you think about it, most of those that prayed those kinds of prayers, that powerful things happened, that wasn't their first conversation they had with God. There was relationship. There was a lot of prayer going on before that ever happened. And then there was this other thing also. It's what Hezekiah did when he laid it out before God. All right, God, what are we going to do about this? Now, what do we do? We say, okay, God, what are you going to do about this? And we take off and leave it with God. No, no, no. David said in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, I bring you my petitions and I wait expectantly. And this one dug into me too. There's several of these that got me this week. This one dug into me too. Is I'm the pastor preaching the message, but I'm saying sometimes I get in a hurry, like, okay, God, you got it? All right, I gotta go do something else. I got a big to-do list today. And don't take the time. Here's what I want to encourage you to do today. I want I want all of us. I want you to pray, but I want us to slow down for just a minute. And let's dialogue with God for a moment.